This is a Channel 101 podcast. Aliens, alien, uh, heavy rain. Oh, man. Is that the, the David Cage game? Or is that the, not the one I'm thinking of? One of them is, is the one where the controls are all weird. It's like a mystery. Is that the one with the flashlight? Or is it the one where it's like a mystery game where you, it's kind of like an adventure mystery game? I, I'd say it's more of a mystery game. I, where I like, think it's the David Cage. Yeah, I, I loved that. I love his his games. They're they're really stupid in a in a, in a fun way for me. <laughs> well, I didn't get too far in it. I got to the part where you go to the mall and then your kid goes missing. Mm. Yes, <laughs> yes, I loved that. I love spamming the button, Sean. I think that's <laughs> the name of your kid, Sean. You just put. I just spam the hell out of the button and laugh. Is this I, the I, podcast? Is the podcast like move? Is this the show? Welcome to the Primetime Flies podcast, which is a Channel 101 network podcast. And this is a podcast where I corner uh, Channel 101 showmakers, actors, writers, directors, anything past and present. And it's a love fest. And uh, I, I, I want to get to know people like we were having having coffee together. So here is the legendary from McGonzo, staff of Gelroth, past the pigs, Brian. Why saw? <laughs> I still can, can, use that sound in my cartoons to this day, so you know. Is it one of your favorite sounds? It's. I didn't even make it. It was from a compilation of like songs and sound effects. We actually wound up using it in um, the Hot Streets show, the Adult Swim show. That's right. That I was making. The sound, I guess, is so old, and they couldn't even track down the rights to that. They're like, well, you could just use it and. Fuck it, basically is what they said. So um, yeah, I could just use that. Whoever made that lost that on some some big some big money. For sure, such a nice little quirky button on any. Is, if you're listening, and you don't know what that is. It's just like a, whenever something stupid would happen to a character, sometimes I would play this little song, and it would sound like as Todd sang it, kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's it. As far as like sound effects made by the human voice goes, Ryan Ridley did the sound of uh, giraffe sticking his tongue out. Yeah, I used that was um, party giraffe. I used that without his permission because um, <laughs> he did. He did pass the pigs too, and I had a sound of him that I thought was funny, so I used wound up using that in the giraffe cartoon as well. You were telling me that you were a fan of one hundred and one quite a while before you started. How, like, where were you? Yeah, I'm trying to think of how I first heard of Channel 101. And it, I think it was actually, there was a, a show called Screen Junkies that Dan and Rob were guests on. This was like pre-G4. It was like, then it eventually went to the, the station G4. But I think this was pre that. I don't remember what, it was like tech TV or something like that. And uh, they were guests and they were showing that um, all these home TV shows that they were doing. And I thought that was really cool, but I don't think I checked it out just then. I think somebody sent me a link or something. I know like the stuff that I was originally into is like the boo. It might've been the boo that really sparked my interest. And then there was all the like laser fart and Twigger and, uh, and then yacht rock came up. 
I thought that was really amazing. And that, that was kind of when I started submitting. I think that was around, I think I started submitting like 2005. I submitted one or two things in 2005. And then 2006, I got into the screening. One thing I, I'm conscious of more lately is being able to create something that's toy edible or toyetic. Whatever the term is, there isn't anything that you've created for Channel 101 that isn't like, I want a sticker of it, whether it's a character or a crazy ship. And um, I'd love to know, like, what did you grow up watching that creates the Brian Weissall that made shows like you do? It's harder for me to to say, like, cartoons, because, I mean, I'm definitely a huge fan of animation. But I think, like, more than anything, the TV show Get Smart had a, just a huge impact on my sense of humor um, and the kind of absurdity. And, and I think that TV show probably had the most impact on, on my sense of humor cartoons. Uh, I mean, there was a while where I was just like watching anything and everything animated. Like I watched the majority of filmations library was just, just really, really, stilted terrible serious cartoons like with no very little humor uh that i was getting a kick out of for a while like they had um let me see i like like a dvds of these some of these things like it was journey they had a journey to the center of the earth cartoon I, they had another one where it's a team going like turning the micro size and going inside the human body based off the movie what's the movie uh, where they go inside the human body it's not magic school bus no 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 it's like a famous live action movie where they, it's been lampooned like a million times from Futurama to even Rick and Morty. Kids that were shrunken down? No, no. A lot of the cartoons that I watched as it, like, I like kids cartoons featuring adults. There was Defenders of the Earth. There's that weird, like anything that was kind of weird and obscure. I was kind of like trying to, I would watch. There was this Lone Ranger cartoon that was really, really awful. Zorro cartoon. I really liked Fantastic these Boys, weird like adventure cartoons that weren't funny, that, mm-hmm. but were just accidentally really funny. Before 101, did you have an interest in creating something that would be on the air or on the screen? Yeah, it was kind of serendipitous because around like 2005, like there wasn't YouTube and there wasn't really a way to post things that you made. It's like weird to think of a world like that. <laughs> the, I remember... I think this must have been 2004, 2005 when this happened, but I accidentally ate a pot cake and I had to go to work the next morning. It turned out really bad because I showed up to work like high and I didn't know, like I hadn't really messed around with pot like edibles that much. So it hit me like so hard that I was just couch locked and Adult Swim was on and I think it was Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And when I was high, I was watching and usually I'm just so used to, you know, when you're a kid and you watch animated by like, and there's like a thousand people, but this was like animated by like two people. And I was like, how the hell did they make a TV show with two people? So I just Googled online uh, and I bought uh Cintiq. And I mean, I basically, I, w- I was poor. I-, I had no money. So I just charged this all to my credit card. I bought a, a new computer, a-, a-, a Wacom Cintiq and some animation software. And I didn't know how to animate at all. I was like, I want to just like make cartoons. This is incredible. And I didn't think like, okay, I'm going to make cartoons and then become a professional. Right. It was just, was something exciting to me. Cause like I had wanted to be a writer and um, I wasn't getting into grad school programs that I wanted to get into. And it just felt like nobody wants to read things that you've written 
that's understandable. So like, okay, I can make something and just show them something. And there's, there's very little time investment. You can just watch this and you like it or you don't like it. And that's that. So that was exciting to me just to make something. Cause I just, I just like making things. Cause I used, I was, right. I was in bands. I was a musician. Um, so this was just a way like, and I could, another exciting thing was like, Oh, cool. I can, I can make music for the things that I'm making. And I'm not that, I mean, my art is very rough. I'm not that good at drawing, but it was also, it's, I mean, it is fun for me too. So this was just something where I can, this is the ultimate hobby project. I can just do all the things that I like all at once and it'd be fun. And channel 101 was just, when I, when that opportunity came available, I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a channel 101 show. This is like, cause the stuff that I was making was very, I said that I wanted to be a writer, but the early, earliest things, and even the earliest channel one, one things I was making was very unwritten. It was just nonsense, absurdity that I eventually got better at using kind of Harmon's structure to tell these little miniature stories and things got better. What's up, buddies? Kayla here, host of the podcast Screen Vomit, which is a movie podcast for geeks and freaks of all kinds, breaking down films from the last 10 years joined by people in various aspects of the entertainment industry, including musicians, filmmakers, and even several 101ers that y'all know and love, including, but not limited to, Alex Kavitsky, Anna Saragina, and even Todd Donald himself. I love movies, you love movies, I've never met a 101er who doesn't know what a movie is, but even if you don't, maybe you'll learn a few things, so check it out, Screen Vomit, wherever you find your podcasts. You said you you had an interest in writing, so like, creativity was something always that you had in mind for, like, you wanted to work in it. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to be a prose writer, not even like screenwriting. I didn't, I had no idea to me. Like if I could write something, get it published in a magazine, that would be fucking amazing. And that would be, you know, the extent of that. And then maybe teach writing or something, or maybe write a book or something. But screenwriting just seemed like, why would I write something that will never get made? Like the idea of writing a short story is at least like, it's something you could show somebody. So like, Screenwriting, the idea to me was so far-fetched that I would write something that would be made. But that's where I'm at now with my career, which is cool. It's cool to write something and see it get made, for sure. I don't know, man. I th- magazines are the way of the future. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, apart from like an ELO song here and there or something, you do the music for, for your shows. I love it. I, I wasn't sure if there was like a... Remember when CDs, when you'd see packages of buy 10 discs in a, in a box set for uh, Oh, sure. Yeah. Wacky. I think I still have some of those. I thought it was all stock stuff that you guys use, like the character of the music and sound effects in your shows, like shows by you and shows by you and Cass. Yeah, that's a good thing to mention Cass. I, that's something I don't talk about. I should talk <laughs> about Cass more. Do you want to weave together, like, do you want to brag a bit about your musical skills and, and what you were going for with the shows? I mean, I'm proud of the music. I don't think I would ever brag about it, but I'm proud of the music because, like, it's fun. It's just fun. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm good at me. It's an expression of myself and people like it. So that's, I mean, the fact that I got to do that on, a, on my Adult Swim show as well was cool and... Uh, I definitely feel like a fraud because like there are real musicians. <laughs> like I couldn't 
I, I can't read music. I just like make these little goofy jingles that are fun and uh, they work well in the cartoons. You know, you know who you sound like? Danny Elfman. Keep going. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. I'm better. I'm way better than Danny Elfman. He's a, <laughs> definitely a fraud. Um, <laughs> like I, I heard him in an interview. He's got a crazy story, but he's like me even composes a lot of stuff digitally or with keyboards. And then the MIDI presents a way to transcribe it. And I'm like, oh, shit, you know, because I can do MIDI. I can't even use MIDI. I don't use MIDI. What did you use? These are live. Well, it's kind of like I use this sampler. It's from the late 80s. It's called EPS 16 Plus. Oh, yeah. It was one of the first MIDI capable keyboards. And I think you can set it up to be that. But it also has kind of like you can program within the sampler itself. So it's not like it's transcribing a MIDI onto my computer. I'm playing stuff on the sampler and it's looping. And then I'm live recording it into a recording program. And uh, so if you were to hire me to make music and they're like, let's, can you just raise the tempo? And I'd be like, well, not really. I can't raise the tempo. Why not? It sounds like, it sounds like a MIDI song. How, how is this not done by MIDI? But it is live recorded and looped and then uh, played and I record it and then I do multiple tracks. It's kind of an insane process, but... Uh, Honestly, that's that's really cool to me. <laughs> that kind of <laughs> stuff. Like, well, I'm, I'm sorry for those of you listening who aren't uh, music gearhead nerds. That's so fascinating to me. But I mean, the end result is like the stuff sounds timeless, I guess. It's a retro sound. Yeah. So 80s slash timeless. <laughs> yeah. Some people are like, you are, you're doing synthwave, retro synthwave. And I'm not like trying to make like, you know, something that sounds retro or, or it's just kind of the tool that I have and what I'm using and my ability. I, I, I like, I remember reading an interview with John Carpenter, like, well, so what's your inspiration for these like minimalist songs? It's like, this is just what I can make. It's not like <laughs> I'm taking something and this is my reference. That's kind of the same for me, except, you know, way better than John Carpenter. <laughs> right. As you said, you had some failed pilots before Space Goblins even. or reje- Rejected. Yeah, rejected, rejected. pilots. And that's harsh, considering how much I love your body of work. But only three of the shows that you made were in primetime. And, and, and you did Channel 101 for a significant number of years. What's up with your character that you remain steadfast and, and optimistic through such egregious voting? Yeah, voting? It was fun. You know, I, I wasn't, if something didn't make it in, yeah, I'd be a little bummed out, but I was never like dejected or I would, it was because for me, it was all about, at the time I was living in um, Orange County, and I was finding that a lot of my friends from, from Channel 101. So for me, it was just like once a month, I get to hang out with these cool people that I had a spiritual kind of a uh, connection to. It was more about that than, you know, trying to get into primetime. I, I, I do think, you know, also at the time, there was a lot of submissions in like 2006. And like, there's a lot of like heavy competition. So there are, there were some shows where like you that beat my show. What the fuck, dude? But um, I, I think you know too that because my shows were less collaborative than a lot of the Channel One Hundred One shows, that 
there were a lot more people in the audience. Like, let's say you have a show with four actors and five like people that were just in a brief shot and then gaffers and, and people that were helping out in lighting. And those people would all go to the screening. And of course they're going to vote for the, the show that they were in versus me. I was just like making them by myself. So, and I would have some voice actors, like, you know, but like one or two voice actors. I want to blame. I, that's why I want to say I didn't have that many primetime shows. I want to blame. I'll say it wasn't the quality of the show. 100% it was because <laughs> these other shows, they were packing that they were packing the houses. Well, w- would you say that, I mean, it's, it's not really like you could say no, like if past the pigs didn't get canceled, maybe you wouldn't have learned things that made you make the briefcase or teenage Captain Kirk. I, like this is a really dumb question the way it's coming out of me right now, but no, I, I, I get it. It's a, yeah, for, absolutely. If you make something and it doesn't come back, all right, what now? I have to make something else. So am I going to try to make, well, past the pigs got in. Should I make another thing like that? For me, usually, he's usually trying to do something completely different as much as possible. It may not read that way. I may like, I mean, Teenage Captain Kirk. I mean, I think it's a funny, it turned out funny, but like that was me trying to make something popular. I'm like, all right, what can I, what's my house of Cosby's? What if I do, what if I take something from pop culture and, and uh, that didn't work out. I, sometimes when you try to do that, you can make something very embarrassing. In fact, luckily that one turned out okay. But right. that was me trying to make something popular, Teenage Captain Kirk. It's uh, like, how can I, what the fuck? House of Cosby's, I could do better than that. Here's my Star Trek. I'm wondering, well, you've been on the Patreon podcast, Surfing Through Time, right? Yeah, I was on um, last month. I suppose they've told you what frequency 101 is right channel 101 but with no video mm-hmm. wouldn't it be fun wouldn't yeah you like it would be do- fun it would be fun like i've been thinking like there's this game that i like a lot called a uh, rim world where it's like a this crazy it's almost like the sims like a sci-fi sims and you can watch it's brilliant it's one of my favorite games ever but uh it's basically it's makes up its own stories as it goes along and I was like, what if I took this and like tried to actually write out these stories that these characters were having and like make a podcast right. of it or something? It's just, I guess, ultimately, though, it's like I could be that doing that or trying to like, I mean, I'm just like everybody else and I need works so like I could do that or I can actually be pitching shows and stuff. So it's like, all right, I have to kind of put my priorities into trying to find work. <laughs> Come on, man. No, you you don't don't need to pay the bills. Just make, make <laughs> have fun. No, I mean I I feel that, and I dig what you said about the fact that there was a lot of um you know during this time of your life that uh, revolved around the connecting with people in the community and just being a part of something. Was Cass someone that you knew before one hundred and one? Oh yeah, yeah. Let's ask, let's talk about Cass. So Cass was Cass Rasmussen was a guy who um, if you know, only like my recent stuff. He, he was a guy that I knew from Florida. I actually didn't know him very well in Florida, strangely enough. And um, he moved out to California to work as a gaffer. And he's uh, really quite skilled and good. And he, he's worked on a lot of, he wound up doing some stuff on Channel 101. Because he was like one of my only friends at the time. Uh, he was kind of a guy that I would cast in roles. 
we would goof around and this was kind of when I wasn't really writing stuff. There, there was a time where we would just like kind of ad lib stuff together and then we would kind of cut it all together into a cartoon. Nice. So that was kind of like um, space goblins and I had some stuff called the adventure hunks that didn't get into channel 101, but that was more in the lines of just like stream of conscious, like insanity. It got to a point. I was like, I need to like, rather than doing this, it, it became tiring. It wasn't as fun anymore. Just trying to, put together this nonsense. So I started writing the actual stuff and the quality got much better, but there is kind of a joy to kind of the really crazy shit that we were making. And um, yeah, so that's kind of, and Cass in in his own way, he's a very creative, uh, funny, strange guy. And he acted in some other channel 101 shows. He was in a, a JD Riznar show called canned beer cases i think or something canned be or something he, he did some other, some other stuff on his own as well but can't the canned beer mysteries the interesting thing about canned beer mysteries is that jd riznar sent me a script and he said here's a script i wrote in your style will you animate it and i read it and i'm like what <laughs> this is what you think i do <laughs> so i was just kind of baffled uh, and I, but I was definitely like incredibly, you know, cause I'm a fan of JD's. I mean, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, Yacht Rock is the best thing ever. And uh, it takes so much time for me to make a cartoon that I would never just take somebody else's script and animate it because that's just like hell on earth. It's like mowing a thousand lawns for somebody, you know, I mean, I was, uh, I was definitely, what's the word I'm looking for? Not touched. Uh, I guess the word is touch. I was touched that he thought that he did that, but ultimately I didn't want to animate something that I didn't write. And then he made it live. I told him like, you should make this live action. He did. It turned out really, really funny. I was like, Oh, that's what he was thinking. Cause I, I wasn't seeing And I'm like, Oh, I could see how he thinks this is something like I would make. But um, at the time I read it and I was just utterly baffled, I guess. I can't even tell you um, how many people I've sent hot cross buns. <laughs> If I were to guess, uh, three blind mice and hot cross buns were either spinning in your head or in a conversation, and you thought, what if this was like a serious satanic <laughs> cult? I was getting pretty crazy while while I was making that, and that like the lore was very serious to me while I was making it. <laughs> I was like, this is there was a point where I was almost done. I'm like, this is ha- the hackiest thing ever made. This is like garbage, hacky bullshit, like it became so normal in my head that it just seemed like just like the hackiest bullshit that I've ever, I'd ever made. Hey, in but, someone else's hands, it could have been hacky. I thought it was genius. Uh, I'm the proudest of that one of all my one one shows. I think that's the best thing that I've made. Excuse me. We'll get to that question eventually. Now, uh, <laughs> what is your proudest? Oh, shit. <laughs> well, the, the the one that you made before that is an example of a of a 101 show that didn't do so well at 101 called We Solved the Crime, one episode. H- it was top-failed, did- top-failed pilot, I believe. It wasn't uh, <laughs> completely hated. We Solved the Crime was something that I made very fast because I had made this other cartoon that I felt didn't turn out very good. It was called Hearts of Impact. And uh, I know a lot of people like that, or some people like that one, so I'm not shitting on those people, but I felt that it was just not my best work. And I'd spent so much time trying to make it look good. 
And I think that was kind of the problem is I spent so much time on the visuals, just trying to make it look good. And when that definitely bombed with the audience, I was like, all right, I just, cause I had even like started work on the sequel and had been working on that one for like so long comparatively to my other channel 101 shows where I spent like one or two months on that one. I had spent so much time on that. I'd been working. I had like scripts and like ideas for that. And when that failed, I was like, ah, oh, fuck man. All right. I'm just going to make something really stupid and not spend much time on it. So it, it took me less than a month to make that put together. And when that one didn't get voted in, it wasn't like, oh, this is going to be, this is my magnum opus that will be eventually be a TV show. I saw it as, and this is, I think the audience saw it this way, as just kind of a, a gimmick. It's like one joke that is a gimmick joke at the very end and that, both of their wives are dead and everything that happened beforehand is just complete bullshit. It was just leading up to a gimmick joke, kind of like the boo episode one where they had like a gimmick joke and then they, eventually they turned it into a show and that's what I would have done. But I didn't think it was like my best work or anything like that. I just saw it as kind of like a dumb gimmick. joke. I think it's funny, but right. there are a couple of fun, fun gimmicks. Like there's a, a narrator who tells the audience what their famous things are. And then really like immediately they say they don't have those things. And so that was another funny thing that was fun. That's something that I like doing. Like it's like gaslighting the audience. It's it's just something really funny about that. It's something I've been trying to do again recently. It's like telling you something that you are expecting and just like, cause it, when you see something animated, you were like, why was he lying? He, <laughs> why did the the guy, like he spent a long time animating it. Why would he lie to me? <laughs> Two, I, like I always think of two questions at a time. Okay, one, what of your work on Channel One Hundred One are you least proud of? I, I definitely Hearts of Impact for the reasons I mentioned. Hearts of Impact. Um, I just was tr- just trying. You could see the sweat in that one. I did that that shitty device where you're cutting to the middle of the episode, and then how did this happen? Because like it starts with this like. Uh, yeah, it's got it's, it's th- that one bums me out. Fair enough. It's not a wrong answer if that's how you feel. But are are you able to Space Goblins? I hate that one. I I, I mean, it's funny. I don't like that one. Yeah, that but that one that will that's cringy to me. Like Space Goblins and Hearts of Impact are for me when I watch them, they make me cringe. But like right afterwards, Bearded Traveler makes me laugh still. Yeah. Um, Cube Runners, that's a good one. That was one where I was surprised because I felt like I had finally kind of nailed the Channel 101 structure. It's like, all right, it's got everything. This has, it's got three character arcs. It's got everything. And the music in that slaps, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That, I like that. That one turned out. That was, that's a great one. Obviously, you, you were a part of the journey from Cinespace. Is it Cinespace? No, Cinescape? Cinespace. Cinespace. I, I, I fucked this up in another episode. I'm not sure which of the shows was your first that was more like... M- not- at that time, Magonzo was in the prime time. So, okay. I was, so when Cinespace went to the Downtown Independent, Magonzo 3 aired at the, at the Downtown Independent. So the first two were at Cinespace. So I was on the prime time and we were like, there's no way the typewriter is going to get voted back. There's just no chance in hell based <laughs> on what we knew from Cinespace. And yeah. it wasn't, had nothing to do about the quality of the typewriter. It's just that a show like that would never, 
ever get voted in at Cinespace because it's a very it was very kind of more subtle and, and interesting and, and, and uh, it wasn't kind of like a bunch of dick jokes and stuff. Yeah, very yeah. stylistic and cool and and, and fun. It was fu- a very funny show, but yeah, it was it was not like in the style of what we would think a Channel One One show would get voted in. It was all filmmakery. Yeah. What was the thing technically that changed where like the lines drawn uh, around the characters became a lot more thin and fine? Oh yeah. I changed, well, I changed my software a couple of times. So I don't know. It may have been, we solved the crime. What it was the first where I upgraded my software. It was the same software, but upgraded. And then I switched to a brand new software which I don't think I used at all until maybe like Staff of Gelroth. Hot Cross Buns was 2011 and Staff of Gelroth. And this is during the time where I was following month to month. Are you, are you, are you super proud of Staff of Gelroth as you should be? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was just definitely, I made that because I had been doing some cartoons that were financed by Smosh. And I felt that I, I wasn't really, and it wasn't like that they were telling me to be like more mainstream or something, but I felt that I just wanted to make something as just as crazy as possible and send to, to channel 101. Also, I wanted to, 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 to prove to 101 that I still had it too, in a way as like, also even to, to, in, in a small way, Justin Roiland, I was like, I think people were kind of, I don't, I felt like I was losing faith in myself with, with the content that I was making. So I just wanted to make something in my mind that Justin would, would think is funny. So right. I kind of made it for him almost. Hey, it's a me, Mario. Love Channel 101, but hate looking at shit. Try Frequency 101. All you gotta do is record an audio pilot, make it five minutes or less, and submit it to SubmissionsInChannel101.com! The listening audience will vote for the favorites, Mamma Mia, and the top five shows will return next month. And don't worry, it's all audio, so you won't have to look at any flop dongs. Frequency 101, you won't have to look at any dicks or buttholes. I was talking about this with uh, Adam Garland. It's funny how many times characters are just named after the people playing them. Is that a thing that you liked to do? Or was it just like, we don't have time to come up with fictional names? I think I first did that with Cube Runners. Or maybe, you know, I, we had a bunch of characters named Cass. That's right, because Cass is playing them. It, it could de- definitely boil it down to laziness, 100%. <laughs> well, it works. And you're not a freak. It's all over 101. And I love it. Obviously, like teenage Captain Kirk. Like was well, they're named Cap- after the real Captain Kirk. Yes, because yeah. we got real Captain Kirk in. And <laughs> I'm doing a great job as a host for the listeners who who know your stuff as well as I do, and I I think that's who I'm playing to. Um, I, I and I will say that channel101.com still being active. There's a lot of Brian Weissel stuff, including a complete Galroth uncensored version. And all kinds of stuff on the YouTube channel. Because I noticed Molumbus.com is no longer active. <laughs> but <laughs> subscribe to Brian Weissel on YouTube. And you you are still uploading to there, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's. I'm also doing um, 
showing some of my cartoons and some unreleased stuff on shrobhomevideo.com. The I have a show called Bunsiverse that has cartoons and some, mostly it's stuff you've seen before, but it's, some of it's been remixed and changed and some new stuff. And um, there's a website, bunsiverse.info. If you want to get a Hot Cross Buns t-shirt, that is up. That's an active website that exists. Oh, I love it. Buy it as a gift for your mom uh, so that you'll have spent money for your mom and she won't, she might not like it. And, and you're like, oh, I guess I have to keep it. And you, it, you, you, yeah. <laughs> Buy it. Yeah. Too small for your mom. Feel free to say no to any of these. Uh, but like, what do you think of your talent? Your, your, yeah. I, I mean, that's a good question. I'm definitely a harsh critic. I, I'm very rarely satisfied with what I make it, you go through it's like kind of like you go through phases like all right this is great and then the next day fuck this what the fuck was I thinking so it's kind of like that for me I think that's kind of how it is for a lot of people where there's always room for improvement I think you know when you make something you're like fuck this and then I should have done this next time I'm gonna do this so I think you know if you want to get better it's important in a way to not be satisfied. If you are always like, this is, I made something great. You will never, ever, you know, stretch yourself or get better. But you definitely don't think that you suck. No, I'm proud. I'm proud of the things that I made. Like the the ones that I mentioned, I think I fucked up like overall, but hot cross buns and all these, I think they're funny. I like, I'm proud of them. I stand by them. Do you ever fall prey to the idea of, of others? Like, I will say I generally don't care what other people, it's more about me versus other people. If somebody's like, that was a really hacky ending or something, that doesn't bother me. Yeah, I guess I don't, I don't care that much. There, there, there are people that I respect if they said that this was not good, then that would, that would affect me. But if just like random people, I would never care almost. Mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense to me saying that I think a lot of what I do sucks or whatever, but like, yeah, like I don't care. I actually tr- almost try to make things sometimes where I think people will hate it, but I think it's funny. Right. I think that's kind of where I'm coming from 75% of the time. <laughs> and uh, that's why I don't have a, a Rick and Morty type show success, but uh, I, I definitely, there's a part of me that wants to, make something that will that people won't like <laughs> i find great joy in that for some reason if i was going to disappoint you anywhere tonight it would be being one of those people that that can't not like your stuff uh, I want people although- to like what i make yeah <laughs> am i contradicting myself i don't know i think do you know what i'm saying i think i don't know i, d- I do i mean the lone ranger and friends show i no, I liked it. Lone Ranger and Friends, just to, uh, if, if we're bringing that up, that's not right. even like a real thing that I made. It was an animatic for a pitch, a cartoon pitch that um, was written by me and Wade Randolph from Channel 101. Nice. And I didn't do the animatic. It's just an animatic, but I, I think it's a really funny idea to take. And I think we, we're still possibly working on uh we actually sold this idea strangely enough we sold it we made this crazy idea where all these public domain characters get their heads chopped off and they're brought back to life by putting them 
surgically attaching them to the tops of cars. Right. And <laughs> I still think that idea is really funny. It's like the best of the 50s and the 80s in, in <laughs> one show. Well, I mean, as a video, I, I found it very entertaining. I, I would say that's a level head. And have you always had it? Uh, w- would you say it's been an emotional maturity learning curve? I definitely uh, would care about my Channel 101 the creative peers. I remember I made this short that didn't get in called Admiral Imagination. And Ryan Ridley gave me some notes of why it didn't get into the show. And that's very different than me. And like everything. And I listened very closely to what he was saying and tried to take his advice very seriously, because there's a difference between like a joke that you think is funny, but the audience hates like, fuck it, I'm putting that in, but like structurally and like editing wise, like I was doing some stuff that was wrong. I wasn't, I was setting up jokes without payoffs, which can be funny if you are like a master at what you do, like setups without payoffs. You can only, it's like, this is the worst possible example, but like, you know, Picasso can make, you know, a surreal painting because he knows how to paint. But if you're starting with abstraction without knowing how to actually know how to build a joke if you don't know how to build a joke you can't st- you need the foundations of that to make something funny but i was trying to do stuff that was breaking all the rules and i and 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 now i'm able to do a lot of stuff like that just because i'm, I'm a little bit more knowledgeable there's a difference between like not knowing what you're doing and like i won't take any criticisms but if it's like my creative peers and they're telling me structurally it's not working then obviously i want to listen to them and get, and get better oh yeah for sure plebes on the net uh, they, they can shut the fuck up uh, oh god yeah <laughs> this i won't say what but there are people like i'm a animator or i'm a voice actor and this is how it is on twitter i'm like dude that is not you may, maybe you are that but that's not from my experience what you're saying is absolute bullshit so I'm a professional writer and this is what people want in a writer's room. I'm like, Ooh, oh God, I would never want that. <laughs> or this is when you're actually animating a show X, Y, Z. I'm like, mm, I don't know, man. I don't know. That's why I keep my fucking mouth shut because everybody's process is going to be a little bit different, I guess. In, in your professional life, what, what is the most difficult thing for your spirit? Finding work. Like is the, is the, the most dispiriting part is like sometimes you can, you can find a great job and then it might be a, a couple of years before you find the next job. That is definitely without a doubt, the most challenging part. Right. What keeps you from, you know, uh, becoming a librarian or nothing. I think about becoming a librarian every day. It's like, why <laughs> the fuck am I doing this? Because you're amazing. I need I, to I, feed I, myself. So what? Uh, yeah, and I need to go to library school and change shit up. What, what are the jobs? There's you could either become a blacksmith or a cobbler. You know, whatever the jobs were back in uh, your. I might um, just walk to Ralph's and get a job at Ralph's. I'll work for the trolley system. Good benefits. Uh, I'll, I'll sell. I'll give everybody discounts on salmon fillets. Who are some of your heroes? Um, I'm trying to think. Like, I guess David Lynch is a hero just because he's 
been very uncompromising in the things that he makes. And um, yeah, he, he, he would be a hero. Um, he just doesn't give a fuck, man. Like Twin Peaks, the return was just for me, just absolutely amazing. Just like when I watched it, like I just felt like, wow, somebody's actually making something for me. <laughs> and I didn't, hadn't felt like that in a long time. I just felt like this guy is just making something for me without any care or fucks in the world. Not that I'm, I'm saying that I'm on some sort of a level where like, I, I get it, but I just felt like everything is, has gotten so kind of cookie cutter that to make something that outrageous is really inspiring and awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's it. I can't, I don't know. <laughs> like I'm trying to think of like, people in animation or something, but he would be number one. We almost, uh, I, I got a little bit of validation from him, I guess, and that we offered him a part in hot streets and um, he had his secretary send uh, an email and it was clear that he had read the script because he was mentioning things about the script. So the wow. idea that David Lynch read like a script for my show and like ha- and had really nice. He said that he didn't have time to do it, but he really liked the script and he was mentioning stuff in the script. I'm like, wow, this is like, how fucking amazing is that? That's pretty neat. There was a character in hot streets called little George Washington. And I think, I think he was stoked that we asked him to play a character and it wasn't like him playing himself it had nothing to right. do about him being a filmmaker. Right. Uh, you know, wasn't twin like a Twin Peaks parody or anything like that. It was just like a character. We wound up casting Ray Wise for that part. Okay, he turned out amazing. He was fucking great. That's fantastic. Obviously, you weren't asking him to do like a caricature or something compromising to uh, the legacy of Twin Peaks. Your character's name is Borden Bowl, and he's hard of hearing, and he likes cherry pie. No, wait, he likes peach pie. <laughs> Just something really hacky and lame like that. I'm sure he gets invitations like that all the time. I got to work with Grace Zabriskie as well. And um, she's a very, she's a very sweet person, but she's, she has an appearance, like an, a very intense energy. And she's an artist herself. Like she's, she does like woodworking and she, she I was scared of her, <laughs> it, it, but, but she was sweet though. It was, it was just all on me because she had this like energy, like, and um, she brought that energy into the character when she was playing a scary character in my, sh- in the show. So that's great. Um, yeah. She's, she's, she's something else. I mean, if you had Grace Zabriskie on the set and you were just like, can we just see if like this can actually happen in the room? Can you scream terrified? <laughs> like you just saw, like I imagine. Like- Have you seen some of the behind the scenes footage of David Lynch directing her? Because no. like she gets in character, she stays in character. She's, she, it's, oh wow, it's, it's terrifying. I, I I could talk with you for for longer because I'm a fan of yours. I, I I've enjoyed talking with you so far, but I, I also want to be conscious of your time. If you're making stuff, I'm there for it. It really doesn't matter where. But I do want to simultaneously try to inspire people to to make stuff and use one-on-one as the get better city to visit who are just starting out. Would you endorse it? I would endorse anything where you're getting involved with a community of like-minded people. 
So if you are want to be a writer and you go to this sketch comedy show and you like it and you want to do stuff like that and try to work with those people, like it, it's, it's good. I, I mean, I honestly think if you are watching Channel 101 and you're a fan of that, that's then definitely do it. But I don't think Channel 101 is the only place to get inspired. Just find anything where you can get involved in a community of, of like-minded folks. If you watch Channel 101 and you're like, this isn't for me, that's okay. But um, if you like Channel 101, definitely. Because uh, there's, there's, they're, they're open. These people have open arms and want to work with you. My experience was, was amazing. That is vital. If you're going into this, like, all right, Channel 101, that's where Rick and Morty came from. I want to have a show like Rick and Morty. I'm going to submit to Channel 101 because I want to be famous. Then that is not going to work for you. <laughs> Shit. It will that's... never work out if that's your goal. If your goal is to use the status of something else and you're not interested in the other things there. You just want the status of something else. There's a very dark path ahead of you. Now, if you are doing it because you like the people that are currently there, you will meet lifelong friends that will you you'll be able to help each other out. And I think that's that's key is finding other people like you that you re, you, you respect and you want to work with, and you will have these people for for the rest of your life to support each other. I hope my inability to talk today didn't affect the possibility of uh, us being friends somehow. But listen, I um, I had a great time. Thank you so much for for inviting me. It's, it's fun to talk about the stuff. So, is uh, is Flip Flab in the room? Hey, this is Flip Flab. <laughs> I'm here. What do you want to ask me? Well, if you have the pigs, why on earth would you want to pass them? Pass the pigs is what you do. (laughs) You did it. You did the thing. (laughs) I'm a dick. (laughs) Congratulations on uh, the McCarris Bachelor Weekend pilot revival. The uh, the resubmission. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was happier than a pass the pig and shit to see the follow up made years later. Because you guys could have like, oh fuck that, like you could have like canceled or. It was pretty half assed though. I'll tell you that. Like I'm, it was. I was amazed how Ben was able to edit that and and make that into uh, an episode. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree that it was awesome? Like even though it was half assed, it, it was fine. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was awesome. It was fine. I had a good time with it. I, I, I think Ben deserves a lot of credit for props to Ben uh, for editing that all that stuff down because we were just hanging out uh, at like a doing some karaoke and um, he made it work. And Don had the idea that she was pregnant for six years, and that was a really funny thing that that added to it. Thank you for for being a part of influencing, you know, people like me and, and influencing all sorts of other animators, writers, and whoever with your style, whether curated or accidental of animating, acting, writing, and the music is, is killer. Uh, awesome, you. man. You, you, you've created joy. Thank you. I appreciate that. You need to hear that every once in a while.
Thank you. This podcast features music used with permission from the Hollow Scene EP by Postmodern Machine. Available wherever you get bandcamp.com, but please visit postmodernmachine.com. This has been Primetime Flies, a Channel 101 podcast hosted by Todd Donald. Thanks for listening. <laughs>